of continuing to think about what it means to plant or to pastor safer churches, uh, churches that are healthy and are safe for people to be part of and to belong to. Uh, churches where it's like a, a flock of sheep that are cared for, that are provided for, that are protected, that have shepherds that look after them, that don't abuse them and exploit them, but keep them safe from wolves and make sure that they are able to feed in green pastures and drink living waters. Uh, and today I want to talk about the place of common grace and general revelation in that pastoring, that caring for churches so that they are safe and, and healthy. If you begin to lead a church then you'll realise, uh, particularly as the church starts to grow and more people join, that there are a lot of responsibilities that you have to pay attention to. Uh, that if you uh, rent a building uh, that you have to take into, or, or, or purchase an owner building, and you have to take into account a lot of things in terms of things like health and safety law, uh, planning permission. In fact, some of those things will start to come into effect if you are meeting in a house and you start to outgrow uh, your living space. Uh, and what gets beyond just having a few people turning up for a bit of time together. There are other rules and regulations that start to kick in charity laws, uh, laws about financial probity rules and regulations, policies that you're expected to follow. Uh, and particularly as we're thinking about safer churches, all of those laws and requirements and policies around safeguarding, around how we care for children and how we protect and care for vulnerable adults. And sometimes the rules and regulations can feel like an imposition. I've heard people say it's really frustrating because we want to employ a worker, but there are so many rules and so much red tape around employment and it's a nuisance, it's a pain. Now, sometimes those laws can be overkill. Sometimes they can create a feeling of bureaucracy, uh, but I think it is best to start from the point of view that these are actually our friend. And that's why I talk about seeing uh, common grace and general revelation as important, seeing them as our, our friends. Uh, what do we mean by uh, those two things? Uh, well, common grace is, is, is this. Common grace is the belief that if God has made this world and God continues to sustain it, then his grace is at work, not just in salvation, but there is this broader theme of grace that overflows in that God continues to show kindness to all of his create, uh, creation, to all his create creatures and to all humanity. Because if humanity received what it deserved, it would receive immediate uh, judgment now. God chooses to show forbearance and patience uh, and even continues to provide all 
that his creatures need to live in this world. In fact, it has often been said that even after the fall, there is still no natural reason why all human beings shouldn't be able to live well, to live in comfort, to live free from poverty and uh, and uh, whilst there will be some suffering, not to experience a lot of the dangers and tragedies they do. That it's human injustice that puts others at risk. Uh, so there's God's uh, common grace. Uh, Acts uh, chapter 14 puts it like this. That's chapter 14. Ah, the challenges again of using Bibles when the pages don't quite want to turn over. That's chapter 14. Uh, Paul preaching to the people at Lystra says this about God. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to go their own way, although he did not leave himself without a witness since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy so god has provided for them and given them not just basic sustenance but actual enjoyment in this world this is god's common grace the other thing that at work uh, that is at work is general revelation. You you'll see that that God uh, did these things, provided for them, uh, in order to reveal something about Himself, so that they would know a bit about Him. That's why we say that no one is with excuse; that we are all without excuse. In Romans one, it talks about revelation, about God's revelation in creation, uh, meaning. Uh, that we have all seen and heard. Uh, so that uh, when God judges, we don't have an excuse for that. That is why God's wrath is seen, because uh, the truth has been clearly revealed, but we have, as humans, suppressed it. Uh, so general revelation might be seen as uh, if God gives us common grace to enable us to live in this world, then general revelation means that God has shown us how to live in this world. And all human beings benefit from it. That's why we can learn from wise non-Christians. Uh, it's why uh, you go to school and have an education. It's why we let doctors operate on us. It's why we let architects design buildings and engineer uh, build aeroplanes and cars and computers because they have enough knowledge and by the way what we're saying there is this uh, that no one is living autonomously no one is coming up with ideas new and fresh we all think God's thoughts after him we are all dependent on God revealing truth to us uh, now because of the fall, because of sin, there's a problem with this general revelation. 
I liken it sometimes uh, to me trying to read the world with my, my glasses off. It's there, but it's blurry, it's incomplete, it's distorted. And that's what general revelation is, is like to us. Not because it's weak or um, lacking in that sense, uh, but because there's a, a weakness, a lack in us. Uh, so I put on my glasses so I can see the world around me. A scripture, special revelation, the Bible functions a bit like that as well. It's like putting the glasses on so we can read the world aright. If you want to see general revelation properly, uh, then you need the glasses of scripture on. The glasses of special revelation. Uh, but also because general revelation only tells us so much, it is not complete and exhaustive revelation. General revelation uh, tells us that there is a God tells us that he is a good and just and kind God, uh, tells us that we are sinners. You can work all of that out and you can work out your need for God with general revelation, but you need special revelation. You need scripture to tell you how you can come to God and be right with him. Uh, general revelation should make you want to be right with God. Special revelation will show you how to be right with God. So we need special revelation. But general revelation and common grace are there because of God's general goodness so that people can live in this world and enjoy it. They're there for our good as well. So in Jeremiah 29 verse 7, the prophet Jeremiah tells the exiles that have gone to live in Babylon to seek the welfare of the city, the good of the city. They're told to settle down, to enjoy the city, to give their children in marriage and receive husbands and wives for their their great their grandchildren and, and, and so on. They're going to be there for some time. And so they're to live well in Babylon. And their desire, their prayer is to be that the city of Babylon will experience God's common grace. Why? So that their lives will be good and peaceful there, so that God's people can flourish. Uh, so another reason why we have common grace and general revelation is so that we as believers are placed in a world, in an environment, that even though at times it is hostile, is not as bad as it could be, so that we can survive and flourish in God's creation and enjoy him and fulfill the mission that he has given to us. You might say that general revelation and common grace give us a, a fighting chance. And that's important when we are planting churches. We want them to be safe churches, healthy churches, safer churches. And that's why I say make best use of general revelation and common grace as you find it around you. That will mean that we have a responsibility to submit to rules and regulations that are given to us from governments. Paul in Romans 13 says this, Romans 13 verse 1. 
let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have its approval. For it's God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for this reason you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's servants, continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, and honour to those you owe honour. Fascinating to remember as well that Paul writes that too, not to people living in a democracy, not even to people living in a benign dictatorship, but to people living under the suppression of foreign tyrannical rule under the Romans, even there, even though you have got this sense of the Roman Empire as this beast, as this danger, even then God through Paul says that he is still at work through common grace and general revelation to do good even through those wicked authorities. So practically for us, as we consider how we plant and how we pastor churches that are safe and healthy, what are the implications? First of all, it means that you follow employment law. That you are careful to put together contracts that keep at least the minimal standards that the state expects. I would go further than that. It means that you make use of outside bodies that can help you, that can advise you when it comes to things like safeguarding children. It means that you take your responsibilities seriously in terms of the tax man. And it means that you show probity and integrity with your finances and you have good governance in place. Now, there are lots of people available to advise. Here in the UK, there's Christian Safeguarding Services and the 318 Trust. There will be other bodies that will help elsewhere. Um, Organisations like um, Catalyst Network or the FIEC or Edward Connor solicitors are able to help and give advice on good governance and uh, being aware of the law, uh, not just so that you stay within it out of fear, uh, but also that you can see how the law benefits and helps you to do your job well as godly servants of Christ as faithful stewards in his church. Thanks for listening in. We'll be back again for another 
podcast looking at safer churches next week.